I'm Kevin Richard. Idaho is seeing a historic turnover in school district superintendents, and we've been writing quite a bit about that here at Idaho Education News. One of the high-profile changes is taking place in the state's largest school district, the West Ada School District. Marianne Reynolds is stepping down on June 30th after a 46-year career in Idaho education across the state and a time with the State Department of Education. I had a chance to catch up with Dr. Reynolds this week to talk about the turbulent past year in the West Ada District. Here's what she had to say. Dr. Reynolds, thank you for joining me this week. Uh, there's so much I'd like to ask you about about this past school year, but I want to start with you as an educator and talk about this year and the relationship between kids and their teachers and how that's been affected uh, this past school year and your takeaways about this year from an academic perspective. Well, good morning and thank you for the opportunity to visit about what I love more than life itself and that's our children and making sure they receive a quality education. The impact of this year was nothing I've ever experienced in my entire career, even for a short time. It was the most amazing journey. And I think there's so much more to celebrate now that we're getting close to the end of the school year. I don't know that most of us would have said that uh, several months ago. So I think the relationship between our staff and our students, if I understand the question correctly. Yeah, yeah but what, how has this affected that, where learning happens, that relationship between the kids and the teachers? What's, what have you seen this year that's kind of jumped out at you? And, and maybe what surprised you? I think the creativity and the risk-taking on the part of our teachers, because they, if you think about it, Every routine we ever knew and loved in public education was gone. And gone so, so quickly. When you go back even to last, last spring, it went away so quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, everything from how our children get on a bus, how they get off a bus, how they enter a school, how they function inside a classroom. Um, having all those new uh, safety protocols in place. And the greatest challenge to that is maintaining that connection with students and in a different way. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the students being our digital natives, but even our students would tell you maintaining that connection with the adults in their lives over an electronic device was not an easy thing to do at first. But I think out of all the things I observed, those relationships are paramount in kids feeling safe when they come to school and knowing that the adults care for them and knowing that we want them to learn and to learn at high levels. So I think so much of that was a challenge this year just making sure those connections were in place. And then if I add parents to that equation, I always knew that was important. We all did. 
But this year was so much more profound in terms of our moms and dads needed communication that we didn't always have the answers. They needed to make sure that we were meeting the needs of their children. But we also needed to meet our parents' needs in a way that we had never been asked to do. But I think, again, that's another thing that came out of this was how important our relationship is with our moms and dads. And it's it's the connections. It's not just the physical, logistical connections. It's the personal connections, too, that have been a challenge this year. Yeah, and so many examples of what teachers did when the students were remote learning, how they would go to the homes of the students and leave notes on their sidewalks and colored chalk or the car parades they had so that they could stay in touch and see the kids, even if it was at a safe distance socially. Um, The parents who, I cannot think enough, our parents supported even when we didn't know the answers to everything. They were so anxious to help. So I'll give you one example. One of our greatest challenges this year was substitute teachers. Right. When we had staff out, when we had um, just, and it would hit in different pockets. And we had teachers trying to cover for one another. Our office staff would try to pitch in. But it, at one of our schools, I would, I'll just tell you, this is such a great story. So at one of our schools, the parents got together and they told the principal, we are here to help. What do you need us to do? And the biggest crisis at the time was having enough substitutes so that learning could continue with the children in uh, face-to-face. So these parents formed a coalition and they filled out an application. They went through the fingerprinting. They had the background check with the agreement that they would only substitute at this one school. So for the entire school year, that school never had a substitute teacher problem because of our parents. Uh, really, it sounds like a really neighborhood-driven solution. I mean, here you are the largest district in the state by far, and. This is really parents in the neighborhood saying we want to we want to help. Yeah, and that and it, that was another great thing to celebrate was if you think about us having fifty seven schools, right? And and one of those is our virtual schoolhouse that never existed before until this year. But if you think about those fifty seven schools and the communities in each of those schools and the connections and the desire just to figure out how to deal with the pandemic and and to have the kids continue some kind of learning and keep them safe. So you mentioned the virtual school, which is a whole new thing, a whole new process for you in, in the district. And it makes me wonder, moving forward, you know, for the next superintendent, for the next administration, are the things that you all did this past year, this past 14 months that you think are going to continue, things you kind of started along the way with that uh, are going to stick around? 
in maybe a more normal educational setting? I, I think the virtual schoolhouse is certainly a great example of what will continue. We've, we've been registering students for next year, and I believe we still have over 2,000 students who are planning on returning to the virtual schoolhouse. And that has been another example that I've always loved and admired about West Data is trying to provide choice. And we have a number of schools that focus on STEM. We have a number of schools that focus on the arts. We have career and technical education programs for our children. We have a Renaissance and the International Baccalaureate program. And the virtual schoolhouse, while it was a crisis gap-filling measure, <laughs> what we've discovered is it's really meeting the needs of parents who want that choice to have their children learn at home, but with the guidance of a professional educator and allow them to be involved. So continuing that. And then the other thing that was so great was these teachers who were our first responders in learning about asynchronous and synchronous learning. Many of them were in the school settings and they were mentors to all of our other teachers in collaboration and cooperation on really focusing on learning. So once the safety needs were fairly well addressed and we had those routines changed and addressed, it seems like the greatest lessons we learned, it's okay to take a calculated risk. It's okay to be creative. And when we do that together, and we learn from one another, and we're not afraid to ask questions, well, how did you do this? Or how did you make that work? It always goes back to the central core of what we know and love in terms of our mission. That our mission is that all children will learn at high levels. And to find out that technology was a gift. And so the disruption actually helped us get over some hurdles, I think, in an ordinary time might have taken us longer mm -hmm. to get through those changes. So um, that part of teaching and learning where instruction really kicks in and to find out that many of our students blossomed with the addition of enhanced technology. But we also found out that for many of our students, learning with the device had a whole new right. set of experiences for kids. So one example, a teacher was talking to me early on in the year that the students would watch videos or video clips and then they would engage in a lesson. And she just couldn't figure out why that wasn't working. So she surveyed her students and dug a little deeper into, well, what did you understand about the video? And what we found out was that the kids didn't know how to mm -hmm. watch a video and to extrapolate knowledge from watching. And so the teacher quickly created lessons 
to show students through that medium how to tap into those thinking and reasoning skills right, they need to. Because they're watching the video in a different way. It's not watching for entertainment. It's watching for, for education. It's for information. Right. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up. I mean, you have been under a lot of external scrutiny this past year. The whole district has been. I mean, you've had some parents who wanted the movement to -to face-to-face learning to happen more quickly. You had legislators weighing in on this topic, uh, urging you to open. You had teachers and and the teachers union pushing back, raising concerns about the speed of the reopening. How did you... How did you juggle all of those conflicting uh, pressures that you were dealing with? To the credit of our staff and our parents, by continuing to focus on safety and learning, we just kept going back to what was most important for our children during a time when we'd ha- we didn't have the answers. And I would tell you, one of the things I will take away with me forever and ever is we learned that success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. And I can't remember which president of ours said that, uh, but it, it certainly was true for us that all these years, just think about this. We it, we stress to our kids that resiliency is a soft skill that we all need to have. That failure isn't all that bad as long as we get up and learn from it and move forward. So I, I just so admired every time, and the hits were many, and if you talk to anyone in our school district, I would say they would all tell you this was a very difficult year. There wasn't anything easy about what we what we were faced with this year. And there certainly were many opinions. So the closest analogy I could think of is a snow day. It was just the longest snow day in mm-hmm. the history of public education. So during those times when we had the snowpocalypse, and we had to cancel school because of the inclement weather and the snow. Half of our parents said you should be in school. Half of our parents said you shouldn't be in school. No matter what decision we made, it was it was not going to be embraced by all. So when you have that kind of um, disparity in opinions i think we just kept going back to tell me more about what you're saying tell me what it is that uh, has you alarmed or tell me why you think that this would be such an easy thing to do let let us give you some of the background information in terms of at the very beginning why didn't you just do synchronous learning off the bat right well, it's going to take a while to get enough devices and mm-hmm. hot spot. Right. And our first concern was about nutrition. Right. Our first concern was how are we in, how in the world 
are we going to set up child nutrition so that we are going to feed our kids? How in the world are we going to take care of our most vulnerable students? So students who might be experiencing homelessness, students who are receiving services in special education or in English language. Uh, so those kinds of Maslow hierarchy kind of things really took precedent for us at the, at the very beginning. And I would say in times of crisis, what I've learned over the years is that there is a trail of blame. And unfortunately, our, our legislators, our governor, our school boards, and our administrators were the direct line of fire uh, because it had to be somebody's fault. And, and dealing with criticism that's gr- grounded in something that's very unknown. I mean, you compared it to a snow day. We've all experienced snow days. We've all experienced that. And that's a short-term thing. This is unknown and for an unknown duration. That had to be a factor in what you were hearing from the community, what you were hearing from the teachers, what you were hearing from parents. It was. And I, I would tell you that one day based on all of the information we've received and surveys we had sent out. Uh, early on, we had seven focus groups come in and help us go through the research and what we knew at the time to put our plan together. And as soon as we started to have confidence in our path, the guidance would change. Mm-hmm. And we would have to come back to the drawing board. And because of that inconsistency, I'm sure people thought we'd lost our ever loving mind. That one day we said we would do this. Uh, remote means red. That means if we're in red, then we're going to stay in remote learning. Well, that changed. And the guidance changed, which we were glad to have that opportunity. But I, I, will, I think one of the comments I heard from staff as we entered into the school year and seeing what was happening with kids not in person was we fear we are doing more damage to these children than that will last much longer than the virus. So that really helped us, I think, have that sense of urgency to examine every possibility for making sure that what we were doing was the best that we could do and that we would be relentless every day trying to make that asynchronous and synchronous learning better and better and better. But also finding safe ways to make sure that we could bring our students back as safely as possible. And I will tell you, Kevin, the other piece that I would never, I, I should have predicted, but I didn't, was staffing. There were days we didn't have enough bus drivers. Right. We certainly didn't have enough substitute teachers. But to this day, we are still trying to fill positions for paraprofessionals in our Title I programs and our special education programs. So when I look at my partners in the business community and I see employees wanted, hire within, 
it seems like there's a comparison there in terms of having enough people in the workforce. So you're turning this over to a new superintendent, and there's also been some turnover on the school board. So the district's leadership is in transition at this kind of critical moment. The, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing West Ada going forward? Well, the good news is we have strong leadership, and the new superintendent is an amazing young man, and I know he is going to lead this school district very, very well. But I, w- I would say some of the greatest challenges will continue to be funding. It's, it's something that we worry about all the time. This was the first year West Data, I think in 20 years, saw a decrease in enrollment. Right, right. So we lost about 2,000 students, and we're not really sure where they went. And we don't know for sure yet if they will return. Right. But but it's not like West Data. It's not like your communities are not growing. It's a question of whether these kids are going to come back. Right. And so that, I mean, that's just a variable that it... We're trying to find the answers to that so we can make good decisions. But growth in West Data has and will continue to be an issue. In the six years I've been here, we have opened five new schools. Owyhee High School will open in the fall. And the new Idaho Fine Arts Academy will open in January of 2022. So that growth, I, I think that will continue to be a great challenge for the West Ada School District community. And I will tell you that, again, the laser-like focus of our school district on learning and making certain that our kids, when they walk across that stage, that they have choices, that they they can determine their future. That focus has not changed. And I think that's what has been a, a, a curse and a blessing for us this year, is to really examine those practices horizontally across the grade level and vertically from one grade level to the next. So it's like a third grade teacher's moral commitment is that those children will be ready for fourth grade. And what does that look like? Have we provided clarity? Have we provided uh, instruction to make sure that the success criteria is pretty much the same from one teacher to the next? Have we provided quality interventions for those students so that if they aren't where they need to be, we're doing everything we can to make sure they are where they need to be before they go on to that next level. Now that's not going to be on every single thing in the standards, but it certainly will be on those things like literacy that we know are absolute keystones for our kids. And to watch that happen within the framework of technology and how to utilize technology to have that be a plus and not 
uh, not uh, something that, well, I just sit in front of the computer all day and I'm really not engaged. Finding out that the technology allowed us to engage students and their families in ways that we never could have done before. So when we adopted teams, for example, and we had that opportunity to actually see the kids and their parents on screen like we are and being able to have conversations and to provide feedback. And so um, I think that was just another, it's going to continue to be a challenge. Technology will continue to be uh, a blessing and an area that West Ada will, will need to continue to, to work on. So I think those those three things certainly the but the um, growth and the budget and the focus on learning. But I I think the other thing we've learned and it was a painful lesson is communication. And I I know we tried to do many different venues for that. Mm-hmm. And perhaps when things calm down and there and it's easier to predict what's going to happen, I'm hoping communication will be easier. Um, the The challenge we discovered was we can get communication out, but one of the challenges if it isn't received or if the perception or words are interpreted differently than what we were trying to say. It seemed like we were being redundant <laughs> an awful lot of the time. Dr. Reynolds, one very quick question, final question. Your career has taken you all over the state. It's taken you to the state level in education as well. What's what's next for you come July 1st? I am so focused on West Ada right now. I want everything to be perfect (laughs) before I walk out the door and make sure that we have a transition plan in place and and that people can take comfort in that transition. For my sweet husband, uh, you probably know more than most people. Uh, Bob and I have been married for over 50 years. And he recently stepped down from his position as a superintendent in the Wallace School District. You've been this long distance superintendent. Kevin. We are repurposing. (laughs) And the first thing we want to do is to go see our children and our grandchildren. And that will involve quite a bit of travel since they literally live all over the world. Well, enjoy that phase of your life at repurposing and I appreciate your time as always and I'm sure our paths will cross again soon. Yes and you know anytime you want to visit about kids and learning I'm your girl. You call (laughs) me anytime. I will take up on that. Thank you very much. Thank you so much Kevin. Again that was West Ada School District Superintendent Marianne Reynolds. Derek Bubb, the principal of Centennial High School in Boise, will take over as West Ada Superintendent on July 1st. And continue to watch us at idahoednews.org. We continue to track superintendent turnover across the state. We'll have the latest for you as news develops. 
We'll also have news for you uh, at news.org on the developments in Rigby. Our Devin Bodkin continues to follow the aftermath from Thursday's shooting at Rigby Middle School. And continue to watch us for developments at the State House. The legislature is on recess until Wednesday, May 12th, but Blake Jones and I will continue to cover the session when it resumes. We'll look for any late-breaking developments on education topics. So follow us at idahoednews.org and follow us on Twitter at idahoednews for any late-breaking news. I want to wrap up the podcast this week with a few shout-outs and some salutations. First off to the class of 2021. It is commencement season on our college and university campuses across the state. Commencements are beginning this weekend. To the class of 2021, congratulations. I know that the final journey to commencement was not exactly what you envisioned when the uh, when you started, but congratulations for seeing it through and best wishes as you, uh, as you take your next steps in life. This is also Teacher Appreciation Week and I would be remiss if we didn't uh, give a thank you to all of our teachers out there. I'm the son of a public school teacher, a proud son of a public school teacher, so I know at least secondhand, the challenges and the, uh, and, and the demands of the job. And I can only imagine the challenges and demands of the job over the past 15 months. So well-earned Teacher Appreciation Week to all of you. And a thank you to teachers who make Idaho Ed News part of your news menu. Thank you for coming to us uh, for information and updates. And lastly, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially if you're the mother of a school-aged child or school-aged children, you have been through a very turbulent year yourself. Congratulations, you are almost to summer vacation, which may or may not be good news, depending on your household situation and depending on uh, what your summer plans are. But um, congratulations and happy Mother's Day. You deserve a, a day of relaxation and a day of all the best. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. That's going to wrap it up for the podcast this week. I will be back next Friday with another edition. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Stay safe and have a great week.